Well, I take an artist or a band and listen to their work. Then I put them on a list like a music critic jerk. Then I put them all in order from the best to the worst. But you probably won't like my choice for first. I don't care. You might think this idea is dumb. You're wrong. It's actually random. Hello and welcome to another edition of Random Album. My name is BC. Thank you for joining me. I can't believe we are close to the end of season one. We've only got five more episodes left of Random Album lists. And then we have a couple of random bonuses that are going to be there in between. There'll be one in November before the Springsteen episode. So make sure you're listening to that. And uh, there will also be a best of and worst of 2020 episode as well before we wrap things up for the year. But yeah, we are on episode number 15 for the season. I can't believe we've done this many episodes. I just want to say thank you again for the listener support, the uh, feedback, the messages that have been left. They are greatly appreciated and they are recognized in each episode I will play messages, whether they're positive or negative. They will be played. Don't you worry. I do read the reviews, so please leave comments on Google or Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star review, a one-star review. Uh, post your review what you think of the show. And, of course, listener support is greatly appreciated. We'll talk about that at the end of the program. But for now, this week, we will be talking about a band from Ireland no, 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 not not that one, not you two. It would make absolutely no sense doing a random episode of you two after I just trashed them a couple weeks ago on the uh, random bonus episode of bands I used to love but really can't anymore. Now, there is going to be a U2 random in the future, just not this season, especially not after the random bonus episode. So... Tuck that aside. This week, I'm talking about another Irish rock band, the Cranberries. And before we get to their sadly short discography and where I've ranked each album, let's go dive into a brief history of the Cranberries. Here we go. The Cranberries were an Irish rock band formed in Limerick, Ireland in 1989 by lead singer Niall Quinn, guitarist Noel Hogan, bassist Mike Hogan, and drummer Fergal Lawler. Quinn was replaced as lead singer by Dolores O'Riordan in 1990. The band officially classified themselves as an alternative rock group, but incorporate aspects of indie pop, post-punk, folk rock, and pop rock into their sound. The Cranberries rose to international fame in the 1990s with their debut album, Everybody Else Is Doing It, So Why Can't We?, which became a commercial success. The band achieved five consecutive top 20 albums on the Billboard 200 chart. Everybody Else Is Doing It, So Why Can't We?, No Need to Argue, To the Faithful Departed, and Bury the Hatchet, as well as having eight top 20 singles on the modern rock charts. Linger, Dreams, Zombie, Ode to My Family, Ridiculous Thoughts, Salvation, Free to Decide, and Promises. Their fifth studio album, Wake Up and Smell the Coffee, was released in October 2001, and then the band would go on hiatus at the end of that year. 
In early 2009, after a six-year hiatus, the Cranberries reunited and began a North American tour followed by shows in Latin America and Europe. The band recorded their sixth album, Roses, which was released in February of 2012. Something Else, which covered many of the band's most popular songs, along with new orchestral accompaniments provided by the Irish Chamber Orchestra, was released on April 2017. The album also included three new songs, The Glory, Rupture, and Why. At the midst of their comeback, tragedy struck on January 15, 2018, when lead singer Dolores Riordan was found dead of drowning in a London hotel room. She had recently arrived in London for a studio mixing session on her Dark album and to discuss the band's latest album with record label BMG. The Cranberries confirmed on September 2018 that they would not continue as a band. Their final album, In the End, was released on April 2019 and they disbanded soon after. Noel Hogan stated, The Cranberries was the four of us. We don't want to do this without Dolores, so we're going to leave it after this. On April 24, 2019, Saint Sister, a duo from Northern Ireland, performed an a cappella rendition of the song Dreams at Lyra McKee's funeral in Belfast, who was murdered by the new IRA in April 2019. On September 1, 2019, Noel Hogan joined Codaline on stage at the Electric Picnic Festival in Stradbally, Ireland to play Zombie in tribute to Dolores O'Riordan. On October 3, 2019, the music video restoration campaign of the entire catalog of the Cranberries on YouTube was launched, 25 years after the release of the album No Need to Argue, with the debut of an early zombie concert performance filmed in 1994 at London's Astoria and remastered in high definition. Zombie was performed seven months before the song was even released as a single. On November 20th, 2019, the Cranberries' final album, In the End, was nominated for Best Rock Album at the 62nd Annual Grammy Awards. On April 18th, 2020, the official music video for Zombie became the first song by an Irish band to reach over 1 billion views on YouTube, becoming only the third video from the 1990s and the sixth from the 20th century to reach the milestone on the video streaming service. The Cranberries now joined a club of artists to reach this landmark, including Guns N' Roses, Nirvana, Queen, and AHA. On April 20th, 2020, the official music video of the Cranberry Zombie remastered in 4K resolution was officially, officially released for YouTube with previously unseen footage from the original video shoot. On July 8th of 2020, Island Records announced the release of a new remastered and expanded version of No Need to Argue on September 18th of 2020 for the 25th anniversary special edition. A two CD set, digital versions, and two LP vinyl editions, including B-sides, demos, live songs at Royal Court Liverpool in 1994, and National Stadium Melton Keynes in 1995, unreleased recordings, and unseen photographs taken from the album photo sessions. Both the sets include a 5,000-word sleeve note on the history of the album written by Aon DeVereaux. The Cranberries' total sales are between over 40 and near 50 million albums worldwide as of 2019. The band ranks as one of the best-selling alternative acts of the 1990s, which garnered them an MTV Europe Music Award, a World Music Award, an International Group nomination at the Brit Awards, a Juno nomination, 
and a Juno Award win. The band was also nominated for the Ivor Novello Awards and received an award for international achievement at that same award ceremony. In 1998, they performed at the Nobel Peace Prize concert, and in 2016, they received a BMI award with a special citation of achievement. In the end, as I said earlier, earned them a Grammy nomination for Best Rock Album. And now that you're all caught up on what you need to know about the Cranberries, let's get right into the rankings. Before we kick off this week's random episode on the cranberries, let's talk about how cranberries are grown. Contrary to popular belief, cranberries don't grow in water. Oh, no, no, no. In fact, cranberry marshes are actually flooded with water to aid in harvesting. And they grow on low-running vines in the sandy bogs and marshes. And because the tart, tiny berries contain a pocket of air, when the marsh is flooded, the berries float to the surface to be picked up by harvesting equipment. Now you're probably wondering why I'm talking about how cranberries are grown. Well, we are talking about the band, the cranberries, and unlike the berries itself that rise up, the one I have at number eight kind of sort of sinks to the bottom. And it's really a shame because this was the first album in over a decade from the band after the they went on hiatus in 2002. And yeah, it's to me, it is the weakest of their albums. I'm talking about number eight from 2012, Roses. A lot was writing on this album, especially since it had been a decade since the last album prior. And there was a good leadoff single on this album called Tomorrow. Out of 19 tracks recorded for this album, 11 made the final cut, and the song Tomorrow was thankfully one of those songs. When asked about it by Billboard magazine, Dolores O'Riordan described the song as, quote, about the way we sometimes hyper over-escalate things in our minds, overthink about things, when sometimes spontaneity and just jumping in is better. Tomorrow you might not have that moment back again. So it's really about moving on and also about kind of looking at the younger generation, how they worry about all kinds of silly things. They don't think they're silly, but when you're older, you know better. I thought it was a very good choice for a lead-off single. So when I had first heard this song, I was excited for the new album, especially since they seemed to have disappeared at the beginning of the 2000s, and we all thought that was the end. And I hate to be that guy, but the best songs are on the album turned out to be the ones that were released as singles. For example, one that got my attention that was a little different compared to previous Cranberries tunes was the song raining on my heart which had a bit of a reggae influence
And one final single, which unfortunately was only released in Russia, was a song called Fire and Soul, which was a ballad that consisted of drum loops and experimentations with light electronica. And I, why it was only released as a single in Russia? I don't know. But wow, it was different. It was different. Yeah, and it only got as high as number 51 on the Billboard 200 albums charts. Uh, meanwhile, in native Ireland, it debuted in the top 20 at number 17. Uh, despite some critical acclaim from uh, Consequence of Sound, Pop Matters, and even American Songwriter gave it three out of five stars, it really was the weakest of their albums. That's really a shame because... I was excited for this new album after I had heard the song tomorrow, but what can you do? You just got to move on. And they actually did a few years later as we move up to number seven with an acoustic album, something else. This is a little bittersweet because it was the last album released during Dolores O'Riordan's lifetime. The album featured unplugged and even orchestral versions of 10 previously released singles and included three new tracks, The Glory, Rupture, and Why. The album was recorded at the Irish Chamber Orchestra Building, the University of Limerick, Ireland. Excuse me. The album cover, which I thought was pretty uh, snazzy, was a reenactment of the front cover image of the band's 1994 album, no need to argue with the four members each in very similar positions. That song you just heard was uh, an orchestral version of the song When You're Gone, which was off of To the Faithful Departed. And I thought the uh, new twists on the old favorites really stood out. I thought it was solid. And I'm usually a stickler when it comes to redoing old songs just to make them sound modern and relevant. But when you're when you're a cranberry, hmm. a cranberry or, or the cranberries, it sounded right, and boy, take a listen to what they did when they did the acoustic version of Zombie. I don't know if you'd ever get bad wolves to do something like that in the future, but what can you do? Uh, there, As I said before, there are three new songs. Only one was released as a single. But before we get to that, here's what they chose for their first single. It was rather amusing that they went with this. 
especially since it was their first single released uh, back in the 90s. They released the unplugged version of Linger. The more things change, the more they stay the same, I guess. And yes, I said they only released one new song out of the three new songs included on this album. And I thought it was the best choice and the best new song of those three. The track, Why? Let's just keep on going, shall we? At number six, we have 1999's Bury the Hatchet. And this was, you could say, the end of an era for the band as the run of top 20, top 10 singles pretty much stopped with this album. And this is also an album that's been deemed, that's been dubbed the Divorce Album. And I will explain why. The album was released by the band after their first hiatus, which began in 96 after To the Faithful Departed came out. Uh, Dolores had taken that time to heal from uh, stress-induced diseases and also had her first child, Taylor, during this period. And the last fact reflected on some of the tracks in the album, mainly on Animal Instinct, which was released as a single, and as was You and Me. Now, it's called the Divorce Album also because the themes of the song vary from maternity and children to divorce and child abuse. And the album cover, which we'll talk about in just a sec, has uh, also been given a special award, which we'll talk about a little later. It's a shame. The album hasn't really been... uh, Nobody's been kind to this album ever since its release. And I said that the run of top 20 and top 10 singles stopped this was the final top 20 single for the band on the alternative charts the song promises it's a shame because the video was great the song was awesome i really thought this was going to be a comeback for the band especially since there was that hiatus in between to the faithful departed and this And I did mention Animal Instinct was released as a single, and it uh, touched on uh, Dolores becoming a mother during the time of the recording. And it's been a while since I've seen the video, but I believe, I believe she was, yeah, no, she was pregnant. I'm sorry. She was pregnant in the video for Promises, but uh, by the time Animal Instinct was released as a single, she had had her kid, and I believe Taylor was in the video. Remember when I said the album cover would be coming back, uh, would be discussed on during the bury the hatchet. Okay. The album cover was designed by storm Thorgerson 
who was later featured on Pitchfork.com's list of the worst record covers of all time. If you've never seen the album cover for Bury the Hatchet, I'll explain. Uh, the album cover is basically a giant eye looking at a, a naked guy who seems to be squatting, hands behind his head and all that. Yeah, I can see why it, it's definitely an odd cover, but yeah, there. you know, I really can't defend this album cover. Pitchfork had also stated that Storm Thorgerson's artwork fluctuates between the iconic and the inane, and the album cover for Bury the Hatchet falls into the latter. I, I really can't disagree. Great album, bad cover. Let's just keep the ball rolling. At number five, we have the very final Cranberries album, which was released in April of 2019. The album is called In the End. And as I said, it is the final studio album. It's album number eight in their career. And fun fact about this, the songs included on this album were demos that were pieced together uh, in studio. I, I never would have guessed that. I just assumed that they were recorded prior to her death. Well, they were recorded prior to her, her, to her passing, but I figured that they were already in studio recording this and was ready to go. So I never would have guessed they were demos. If they are demos, man, they are solid. <laughs> What you're hearing right now is the first single released off of it all over now. Uh, and as I said before, the si surviving instrumentalist pieced together Dolores' demos with in-studio recordings over the course of the subsequent year and worked with longtime producer Stephen Street to finalize the album. And it definitely worked all over now, became their first hit in over a decade. It peaked at number 19 on the adult alternative charts and man, this song is a banger. Critics have been nothing short of positive on this album, despite the fact that it's essentially just demos. I think the lowest score I've seen on this album so far has been three out of five stars for NME. Otherwise, it's been three and a half to a near perfect score. I think I do see a four and a half. Okay, no, it's just a four from Clash, The Guardian, and The Independent, and of course, The Irish Times. It really was a great album. I have to agree with that. And it must have appeased the Grammys because they were nominated for Best Rock Album, which essentially ended up going to Social Cues by Cage the Elephant, which, I'm sorry, 
that album sucked. I love Cage the Elephant, but Social Cues was just awful from start to finish. I'm not a fan of that album. And of the other nominees for that year, I would have given it to In the End. Not just, not necessarily because it would have been a sympathy vote, but because the songs, all the songs on In the End delivered. history on this album this all began when guitarist noel hogan and vocalist dolores o'riordan began composing songs for the album while on tour in may of 2017 the first track that was recorded that or i'm sorry the first track that hogan wrote was a song called a place i know which was another highlight on this album this was written while they were touring in poland and the band ended up canceling several North American tour dates when O'Riordan suffered a herniated disc. That June, Hogan had spent time in France writing and sending his demos to Dolores in New York City to add the lyrics, and together they wrote and demoed 11 songs that winter with the final emails from O'Riordan arriving to Hogan hours before she died. It's unfortunate that this wound up being the final album. Uh, The album title sadly seems appropriate, but we'll never know if the Cranberries would have continued uh, if Dolores was still with us. Uh, The surviving bandmates set aside her vocals for several months following her death, and after getting full support from O'Riordan's family, they brought in Stephen Street, who produced several of their early albums, which we'll be talking about later in this episode to complete the recording sessions in April and May. The voice, Dolores's voice, thankfully, thankfully was not touched, retouched by auto tune, which is definitely a saving grace and probably why this album was so well received by critics and fans alike. Uh, However, they did require the addition of backing vocalist Joanna Kranich to fill a few holes in the demos. Kranich had toured with the band from 2012 to 2017, and by October of 2018, those recordings were complete. And a month earlier, Noel Hogan confirmed that the Cranberries moniker will be retired after the album's release. So it is bittersweet that in the end wound up being the final Cranberries album. Um, if this was going to be the case, if with Dolores still with us, honestly, regardless, if this wound up being the final Cranberries album, give yourselves a round of applause because this album was a hell of a way to go out.
Dolores, thank you for the music and memories. Let's just keep going. Coming in at number four, a uh, decaffeinated album, if you will, despite the album title. From 2001, Wake Up and Smell the Coffee. This was released in October of 2001, and this would be the very last Cranberries album before their second hiatus, and this would be the band's last album for 10 years. Uh Wake Up and Smell the Coffee marked the only album on MCA Records for the band. And believe it or not, th unlike all the other Cranberries albums that have come out, Wake Up and Smell the Coffee has yet to be released on vinyl. And there are some really good tracks, some standout tracks, uh, one specifically being the first single off of the album, Analyze. <laughs> of this recording the album has sold one and a half million copies worldwide and i'm also going to note the standout album cover you know how we talked about uh storm thorgerson on bury the hatchet a few minutes ago well he also designed the cover of the previous album uh, or, or excuse me of this album he said quote the idea of red balls came from granules of coffee percolating the atmosphere settling in your nose and waking you up these became red cranberries and then enlarged to gym balls to satisfy our rampant egos the album cover is very reminiscent of pink floyd's momentary lapse of reason just with the use of giant red balls and everything but unlike Bury the Hatchet, which was picked as one of the worst album covers of all time, Wake Up and Smell the Coffee's album cover was, I don't know, it was definitely more unique and quite fun, to be honest. This was the end of the uh, Cranberry sounding so fluid as a unit, as far as I'm concerned. With Bury the Hatchet being the end of their chart run, their, their constant chart run on modern rock, pop, adult contemporary, which is unfortunate because I thought it was an underrated album. But Wake Up and Smell the Coffee was the last time the band actually sounded like a cohesive unit, in my opinion. And it's really a shame because unlike Bury the Hatchet and in the end, Wake Up and Smell the Coffee just really stood out. It was very cohesive compared to the albums we talked about in the past. And speaking of the past, we are down to the top three. So I'm going to take a breather and you should just kick back, relax, have some cranberry juice or... <laughs> See what I did there? Or have some coffee and we will be right back. Stick around.
welcome back. Well, we finally made it into the top three for my list of the Cranberries albums. And coming in at number three, after four EPs back to back to back to back, we were graced by the band's first full-length album and major label release. From March 1st, 1993, everybody else is doing it, so why can't we? This was what really introduced this country, uh, by this country, I mean the United States, to the Cranberries. And they started things off with a bang on this first single. Be it uh, promotions for Ir- to visit Ireland or Airbnbs, it doesn't matter. Since 1993, the song Dreams has been used for quite a bit of commercials and was even included in the soundtrack to You've Got Mail and even recorded by, or excuse me, covered by alternative band Passion Pit. But regardless, the original is still the best. The debut album peaked at number 18 on the Billboard 200 Albums charts and stayed there for 130 weeks. And in the United States alone, everybody else has sold 6 million copies. And I'm checking out the uh, stats here uh, as well. It peaked at number one on the UK albums and Irish albums charts. Uh, Looking at uh, how much they had sold worldwide. Yeah, six times platinum in the United States, double platinum in the United Kingdom, 100,000 copies in Canada, which technically is platinum to them. No jokes about Canada, please. Uh, One song that I really enjoyed, no, I'm serious, was their follow-up single, Linger, which also gets airplay to this very day. This was produced by Stephen Street, who, as I had said, worked with the Cranberries in the past, including the final album in the end. Uh, One other standout track from this album. I know some people are going to complain that uh, I have it so low on the list because, you know, there's going to be some people who think the first album's still the best. And it's a great album. Obviously, there are two more that I think are much better than that. But I digress. Uh, We'll get to those in just a bit. One standout track was a song called Sunday. It's been announced on March 7th, 2018, the band's three remaining members announced that they would be releasing a special 25th anniversary, newly remastered edition 
of everyone else is doing it, so why can't we? With previously unreleased material as well as other bonus material from the era of that album. It, however, it was delayed until late 2018 following the death of Dolores O'Riordan. Uh, is that album coming out? I've looked at the information here as we speak, and right now I'm not seeing that it's coming out just yet. Uh, oh, wait. No, no, no. Yeah, check that. It did come out late 2018, and it includes a BBC Sessions, a cover of They Long to Be Close to You by The Carpenters, which we'll talk about in just a minute. But if if any debut album deserves this much recognition in the last uh, in the 90s, this is definitely one of the albums that deserves it. And the album I have at number two, a lot of people aren't going to agree with me on this. And honestly, I never understood the disdain from critics or the disappointment from fans because, my God, I thought the album I have at number two is horribly underrated and deserves a lot more attention than it did back in 1996. I am talking about to the faithful departed and the first four songs on the album, which also became the four singles off of it were just back to back. Amazing. If not heart tugging, it starts off with the song Hollywood, which is self-explanatory. It's funny that the first song on the album wound up being the final single off the album. There was supposed to be a video for it, and that wound up not happening because Dolores was going through health problems at that time. This also had their first and only number one hit on any rock, any music chart, uh, specifically the alternative chart. And it's two minutes, it's 24 seconds, but my God, it kicks you in the ass the song is called salvation and the whole point of the album or whole point of the song is uh well drugs man don't do them
Yeah, I would have kept that a month at number one on the alternative charts too, because that was a solid album. That was a solid album overall. But that song is just amazing. And for every hit on the alter- alternative charts with this album, you had to have the pop and adult contemporary hits too, such as the case of When You're Gone. remember this being played to death on pop and adult contemporary radio around this time around the time of its release november 96 to be honest and this wound up being a huge hit as well number 22 on the billboard hot 100 27 on the top 40 number 17 on adult top 40 and it returned to the charts two years ago peaking at number 25 on the Hot Rock Songs chart. As far as Native Iron goes, it peaked outside of the top 20, specifically 21, but it's still considered one of their best songs and a highlight of the album, as was another song on here that I thought was really good. In fact, it was a double A-side despite the fact that Free to Decide was listed as a B-side for When You're Gone. It was a double A-side. There's just no way around it, and it deserved to be a double A-side. The other song included on that A-side was Free to Decide. I remember the video for Free to Decide. I really love that song. But the one thing that really stood about that video was, well, there's a couple things that uh, stood out. It started out in black and white with Dolores walking walking along a red carpet and then entering a door. And all of a sudden turns into color. They're on the desert. And Dolores is rocking a beige bodysuit it looked like she was naked the entire video and don't worry don't worry the censors can even attest she was not nude she was wearing a tan bodysuit the entire time and you know that uh part in the song that you know sounds like it's rewinding well the video rewound all the way back to the beginning of the song and i just love the way this song ends here So, as you can see, the album's content dealt with suicide, drug abuse, depression, uh, anxiety, and my God, this is re- this really is the most depressing album of their career. One of them, uh, but it's still a favorite of mine. And there was definitely some sadness 
amongst the band members themselves. Uh, the album was made in me- dedicated to the memory of Denny Cordell, who had signed the band to Island Records, and Dolores's grandfather, Joe, who had both died the year this album was released. The, four, the four, first four songs are great. The four singles are fucking awesome. But there are some standout deep cuts on this album that I really enjoyed. I, I liked War Child. I thought that was a very good song for sure and deserves a little more attention. I'm Still Remembering is another one, but the one that really stood out to me was Electric Blue. I will shut up and play this song right now, or at least a snippet. I think To the Faithful Departed is not only underrated, it's not only underappreciated, but with the content included, I think it's just a very beautiful album that I really d- thought deserved to be a bigger seller. In fact, looking at the stats of To the Faithful Departed, let's see. A number four on the Billboard 200, so that's pretty damn high. A number two on the UK albums charts. Uh Believe it or not, there is nothing on the Irish albums charts for this one. Wow. Uh, It finished 42 for the year in 1996 and was certified double platinum. Compared to their first two albums, this one was considered a commercial failure. Double platinum. I think, I'm sorry, I think that's pretty damn good considering. Okay, so it's not as good as everybody else and whatnot, but you know what? Please, if you have the chance, listen to this album. I think it's one of their best albums. And my personal favorite, no, I said to the faithful departed was depressing. Well, my pick for number one, in my opinion, is their most dark that they've ever recorded. And I will announce that right freaking now. Well, we finally hit it. The number one album on my list. The best album, in my opinion, by the Cranberries. And it was released almost one year after the release of their debut album. I'm talking about 1994's No Need to Argue. The album's mood is darker and harsher compared to the debut album and it took a rockier and heavier side using distortion increasing the volume and had some interesting takes this time for example in Yeats Grave a fun fact about this song it was titled incorrectly on the album it the title is supposed to be called Yeats Y-E-A-T-S apostrophe grave, but the album listed as Y-E-A-T apostrophe S, and it was never corrected for any of the album's physical (laughs) re-releases. Fun fact, (laughs) and what a shame too. 
the song is about William Butler Yeats, who was uh, an Irish poet in the 20th century. And they quote uh, one of his poems in the song, No Second Troy. And yeah, as I said, I know I just said rockier and heavier side. Yeats Grave wasn't really rocky or heavier, and I'm getting to that. I did say, I did say that uh, Salvation was their only number one hit on the alternative charts. I was wrong. I forgot all about this song. Of course I had to include No Need to Argue number one. You can't talk about that album without talking about Zombie. It was a number one hit on the alternative charts. Uh, It won Best Song at the 1995 MTV Europe Music Awards, and it was voted number one in Australia on the Triple J Hot 100 chart for 1994. Triple J, of course, being the popular uh, radio station in Australia. And a lot of history on this one. Uh, during the Troubles, which was a conflict in Northern Ireland in the late 20th century, it happened in the late 60s, more than 3,500 died and tens of thousands were injured in more than 30 years of brutality and complexity. Uh, Zombie, of course, uh, talks about the Warrington IRA bombings in 1993 that resulted in the death of two children. On January 16th, 2018, Colin Perry, father of the IRA victim, Tim Perry, thanked Dolores for the, quote, both majestic and also very real lyrics. And man, this song still hits home to this very day to a lot of people. In fact, it was also covered in 2018, about a couple months after Dolores O'Riordan had passed away by the metal band Bad Wolves, and boy, did they deliver on this one, too. No Need to Argue, as I said, was the darkest of their library, and I still think it's one of their best, Uh, not just because of Zombie. There are some other good tracks on here that were released as singles and wound up doing well on the alternative and pop charts, too. Uh, Case in point, Ode to My Family, which was a top 15 hit. Oh, 
Yeah, this was a tender ballad about Dolores' wanting her simple life as a child after having achieved success. She wants to go back to the basics. And honestly, yeah, once you've become a success, it's kind of hard to go back to normal. And Dolores did uh, have some difficulty dealing with that during the success of the Cranberries and their hiatus. Both uh, their two hiatuses, I should say. A lot of highlights on this one. It's really hard to pinpoint a certain song on here that is my favorite, but I'm going to do my best. Uh, this was a song that they uh, opened with their Unplugged episode. It was only run on MTV Europe, but I have to say this song, Dreaming My Dreams, is probably the best song on the album. A personal favorite of mine. In past episodes, you know I prefer the darker material over the happy material. There's just no way around it. You knew what you were getting into uh, listening to this series. And for those of you still listening, thank you. Uh, no Need to Argue was featured, the tracks on this album was featured on a ton of movies. Uh, the song Away was on the Clueless soundtrack and featured in the movie. Uh, Dreaming My Dreams, which you just heard, as well as Ode to My Family, were featured on episodes of Party of Five, the original, not the remake. Songs like Ridiculous Thoughts and the title track are featured in a British mystery film, Butterfly Kiss, which I've never heard of, but yeah, obviously they cared enough about this album to include a bunch of songs from the movie. And as I also mentioned, I did mention Ridiculous Thoughts. This was another top 20 alternative chart hit and one that doesn't really seem to get uh, much airplay nowadays, even on retro stations. It's a shame. I should point out Ridiculous Thoughts was also included in an acoustic stripped-down version on their Something Else album, and it was included on their Greatest Hits collection entitled Stars. So there is that. And one other single that was released off this album, I Can't Be With You, uh, for some reason was not released in the United States, only in the UK, but uh, and it didn't even crack the top 20 in Ireland, believe it or not. But... It did hit number one in Iceland. That's pretty that's pretty good, right? Right? And as I said, this has been re-released on many occasions in the last uh, several years. It also included a cover on here that I thought they did a really good job on. Uh, this was included in the box set that came out a couple years ago. Uh, the Complete Sessions 1994 to 1995. They did a cover 
of the Carpenters' number one hit from 1970, They Long to Be Close to You. I dare say it's better than the original. I dare, I dare say it's better than the original. I pre I do prefer this version. It's really a shame that the Cranberries are no longer an active band, and I understand why. Rest in peace, Dolores O'Riordan. Your voice, your music, your magic and memories are definitely going to be missed. Uh, but no need to argue. Honestly, it was really difficult to top this album, in my opinion. It is their hardest, it is their most rocking sound, but it is also their darkest. And, I don't know, blame it on my depression, blame it on my uh, interest in the morbid, <laughs> but I did always seem to enjoy this album a lot more than their previous and later albums. No Need to Argue still stands out, even with the title track. I mean, they really had a lot to say on this one compared to any of their other albums. And if I feel like listening to the Cranberries and don't want to hear just a greatest hits collection, I'm always going to lean towards no need to argue. The production was great. The song was great. Music, singing, all on point. No need to argue. That is the best Cranberries album, in my humble opinion. And just like that, another edition of Random Album is in the books. But before I say goodbye, I'll give you a recap of the Cranberries albums that I've ranked from bottom to top. At number eight, Roses from 2012. The acoustic album Something Else was at number seven. Bury the Hatchet, the final album from the Cranberries in the 90s, was at number six. The final Cranberries album altogether, In the End, comes in at number five wake up and smell the coffee from 2001 at number four everybody else is doing it so why can't we the debut album from the irish band is at number three to the faithful departed coming in at number two and my pick for number one 1994's no need to argue and that's gonna do it for me i am out the door and for those of you who've been complaining in the last couple weeks, yes, yes, don't worry. Next week, I will be doing a random album episode on the metal band Deftones. No shortcuts, no tricks. Next week, I will do the Deftones episode. You have nothing to worry about. It's coming, and it'll be one week from today. As I said before, beginning of the show, please leave comments, leave messages on anchor.fm slash random album, leave reviews on Google or Apple podcasts, one star, five star reviews, give us a, 
write out a review. It doesn't matter. And listener support is greatly appreciated. You can donate as little as 99 cents a month on anchor.fm. Please tell all your friends, even if you don't donate, tell all your friends, if you love this show, tell your music loving fans to check this show out and listen to past episodes. And if they like it, Hey, there's going to be plenty more good episodes come up in the next few weeks as we wrap up season one. So until then, I'm BC saying, the world is your oyster. Shuck it. Goodbye, everybody. You may think this idea is dumb. Well, you're wrong. It's actually random.